everybody. I want to welcome those of you who are joining us from the Fox Valley campus this morning. We hope that you've had such a great time of worship down there um, in the snow. We've been blessed by it here as well. Um, and thank you, all of you, for coming and being a part of Celebration Church. You noticed in our transition um, that we're starting to think about legacy. And um, as we get ready to um, take a moment for our offering this morning, I just want to take the opportunity again to thank all of you for your faithfulness and your generosity, not just in our legacy campaigns, but all year long. You really are just making an eternal difference, um, not just here in the Green Bay and the Fox Valley areas, but truly um, around the world as the Celebration footprint just keeps going forward and we're so grateful for the part that all of you play in that. Um, we do each Sunday just pause for a moment um, for our offering. We haven't been passing buckets around, but we do wanna just take a moment to provide that opportunity and acknowledge um, that opportunity as an act of worship for all of us here. Um, if you would like to give into the offering, and today is, you noticed in the news, it is Mission Sunday. Um, so on this Sunday, we really try to encourage people to just consider a little something extra that they can do strictly for the sake of missions. Many of you have been bringing in celebration packs um, in the past couple of weeks, and we can't thank you enough for being a part of that initiative um, and all the other things that we've been doing locally and in our country and around the world. You just truly are making a difference. So if you, are, um, are you, if you would like to give this morning, if you're in the rooms with us, you'll notice that there are some envelopes. You can put cash or checks in those, and you can always drop them in the buckets on your way out. Um, otherwise, a lot of our people do just go online and they sign up to, to offer recurring giving, which is such a huge blessing to us as a church. It helps us with our planning on so many levels. And then, of course, there's always that opportunity. Pastor Mark loves to point out, you can use our Celebration Church app. Um, so if you just love that opportunity to give while you're in the house as well, we encourage you to just take a moment and you can open up the app and there's a little give button right on there. And um, when it opens up, it can, you can determine or you can tell it where you would like your giving to go. If you're looking to give something extra into missions today, that's a great way to do some one-time offerings as well. Um, but however it is that you are, are giving, we're so delighted that there are so many ways to do it, but we're just delighted that you give and we hope that you know that it really does bless the heart of God. Um, there's nothing more in the spirit of God than giving, right? So thank you for being a part of that. 
Um, Before we get to the creed this morning, um, if you were with us last week, you know that Pastor Mark and Deanna are traveling this week. They're down in Pascagoula, Mississippi, doing some laugh your way down there and also building that connection with Pastor Eric and his church. Um, We love the blessing that we sit under with Pastor Mark Gunger, but it is always good for us to share that blessing with others. And the the real exciting thing for us is, of course, when he's not here, um, as we fill in that gap here, today we have the honor of welcoming his brother, Bishop Ed, is back in the house with us today. So yeah, so we're very excited about that. Um, He has been such a friend to Celebration Church, such a blessing um, to us, to me personally, and my journey through through ministry as well. So I just know that you're going to be blessed by him today. Um, So if you wouldn't mind, would you stand with me now as we prepare to say the Apostles' Creed? This is our statement of belief. It is what we um, hold on to as a church and a community. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And please stay standing just for a moment while while Bishop Ed comes to the pulpit this morning. Bishop Ed. Good morning. Let's stay standing for the reading of the Gospels, the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums. A poor widow came and put in two copper, small copper coins, which are worth a penny. Then he called his disciples and said to them, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. So let's pray. Spirit of God, dance in our midst. Pull us into insight and into help that we might glorify Jesus Christ through our lives. We all said, amen. amen. Go ahead and be seated. Such a delight to be here with you. We've had quite the last past couple of years <laughs> in this culture, and uh, it's great to be here with you. In this gospel reading, Jesus is talking about money. And as Pastor Mark said last week, the most legit shepherds of Jesus' flock don't really like talking about this subject. Uh, It might be because of the old worn out caricature that the church is always after people's money. Um, By the way, that was a great message last week. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, uh, I would urge you to do that. You discover, if you're a person who dabbles around reading your Bible, that God wants to actively engage with us and wants us to trust him in every part of our lives, not just the spiritual parts. Catherine Marshall, brilliant uh, writer who's now passed, she wrote this, quote, 
If we are to believe Jesus, his father and our father, is the God of all life, and his caring and provision include a sheep herder's lost lamb, a falling sparrow, a sick child, the hunger pangs of a crowd of 4,000, the need for wine at a wedding feast, and the plight of professional fishermen who toiled all night and caught nothing. These vignettes scattered through the gospels like little patches of gold dust say to us, no creaturely need is outside the scope or range of prayer, end quote. The good news is God provides. There are hundreds of stories in this room uh, where people have experienced surprises financially as they've trusted God with that part of their lives. And that's great news for people who are going through some kind of financial instability right now. God wants to help us to secure resources and money. What is also obvious from the scripture that sometimes is surprising is that money is more than about money. There's something else going on. There's a way in which money impacts the soul, the human soul. We see in texts that money can be wonderful and can bring enjoyment, but it also can be deadly to the soul. The warnings about money in scripture abound. Jesus said in Luke 12, 15, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A person's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Jesus warned about how increase can damage and ruin and cause one to forfeit their soul. Think about that. He says in Mark 8, 36, what good is it for a man to gain the whole world and then end up forfeiting his own soul? In 1 Timothy 6, Paul chimes in, starting in verse 9, people who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap that, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So here's an invasive question for you today. What is your relationship with money? I mean, technically money is an invention. It's a human, distinctly human invention. Animals don't use money. Money was invented to facilitate the sharing and exchanging of goods and services between people, between groups. And it facilitates our sharing and the exchange of goods. But somewhere along the way, humans began to give money a power that outstripped its original utilitarian role. Notice I said, we gave money power. The truth is, is that money only has the power that we assign to it in our, in our life. And the problem is many have assigned it with immense power, God-like power. Jesus says people become the servants of money instead of using money to serve the ends that they value. And there are even times when money, you know, this is given more meaning than human life. People kill for it. They enslave other people for it. They enslave themselves in pursuit of it. And by running after it too aggressively, 
going to work too early, staying at work too late, sometimes just to get more money, they end up missing the things that really they value the most. Like waking up with the kids or hearing about their day or giving goodnight kisses. Um, Sometimes we're not home long enough to experience the spontaneity that happens when you're just there. If we just look at our own lives and those around us, rarely does money provide a genuine sense of freedom or joy or clarity. And yet we routinely allow it to dictate the very terms of our life. This is what Jesus is trying to put his finger on. God wants us to have money. He just does not want us money to have us. Often it becomes the single most important factor in the decisions that we make about our life. We tend to challenge, <laughs> just read Facebook, you tend to, we tend to challenge everyone else's opinions on every other facet of life. Whether it's religion, politics, education, sex, I mean, family, society, we're always willing to challenge each other's assumptions. But when it comes to our corporate attitude about money, there's a lot of just silent acceptance that it should be the measure of value. Money. And we let it determine the importance and worth of people, the importance and worth of things we possess, even when we don't really believe it. We just sort of go along with it. We are born into a culture defined by money. And it may surprise you, but Jesus talked more about money than he did about heaven. Why? I think it's because money is both a necessary blessing as your servant but it's also a potential curse as your master. Jesus says in Luke 16, 13, no servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. We cannot serve both God and money. (laughs) So here's the question. Are you blessed or cursed with your money? What's going on? I mean, whether you have some in the bank or whether you're pursuing it, what's going on inside of you about it? How's your soul doing in this area? What I've discovered is that most of us have a relationship with money that's deeply conflicted. And the way we act can, around it can often be at odds with our own real internal values and our own commitments. I think most of us value having a world that works for everyone, right? Equity. Um, We want financial security for ourselves, but we also want it for our children, for our cities, for our world. We don't want people going hungry. We, um, We all want a healthy planet. We want everyone to have a chance at a healthy, productive life. I mean, we all want the Packers to win today. But the level of importance that we have given money and the way we must have more money at all costs narrative supervenes our lives. It shapes us in ways that undermine and erode our deepest values, our highest commitments. And at times even turns us away from the very ones that we profess to care the most about. When money takes on that kind of role, the Bible calls it idolatry. 
When Jesus said you can't serve God and money, he is saying that there's something about money that competes for the devotion that should only be given to God. That's what idols do. They vie for what belongs to God alone. That's why Jesus said in Luke 6, 24, woe to you who are rich. I don't think he's saying it's bad to be rich. I think what he's saying is it has some woe in it. You need to watch out. Like if, if you told me you lived inside a nuclear power plant, I'd say, whoa, lots of danger in there. You better be careful. That kind of idea. There are lots of dangers when you have more than what you need. It doesn't mean you shouldn't have more. It just means there are dangers when you do. So you have to protect yourself from the dangers of money. And, and where you can be wealthy and be safe. Or you can be in the pursuit of wealth. Uh, and yet, do it in a way that doesn't burn down your soul. The number one path of safety when it comes to this issue of money, in the words of Jesus and in the tone of Scripture, is giving. It's the secret of protection. If you want money to serve you and you not serve it, learn the secret of living to give, which begs the question, well, how much did I give? <laughs> uh, resourcing our gospel text is really helpful here. Jesus is watching as this group were coming by and giving loads of money, some of them, into this uh, temple treasury. He says, rich people put in large sums. But Jesus isn't impressed with their status, those rich people, their status or their power or their wealth or their generosity. Then we run into this widow. Starting in verse 42, we pick the narrative up. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And then his disciples, he called them and he said to them, truly, I tell you, this widow, this poor widow, has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all that she had to live on. Now, this woman was living in poverty, right? And in that day, as well as today, people in poverty live on what they can scrape together that day. So this penny she had, she had garnered or gathered that day. When Jesus said she had given all she had to live on, he wasn't saying she's gonna starve to death. He was basically saying she's gotta start over for the day. She would just have to start over gathering what she could because what she had gathered, she gave. The thing about giving this penny that caught Jesus' attention is that it made her life harder that day. Because of her gift, she would have to rearrange her plans and her focus for the rest of the day. Her desire to help the kingdom of God inconvenienced her, not destroyed her. After giving what she had, she had to go back and start finding more resources. Maybe she would have to go and start begging again. Maybe she would have to ask a friend to share a meal when she could have done it by herself and had the dignity of taking care of herself that very day. The point is, she had to readjust her life because she gave away her strength. The others that gave so much gave out of their abundance 
In other words, there was no inconvenience at all. There was no adjustments in their lifestyle that had to be done after they gave. Nothing changed. When this widow decided to take what she had gathered for that day and honor God with it, Jesus noticed. This is one of the great signs of true religion. You're okay with being inconvenienced in order to care for others and participate in things beyond yourself. This kind of giving keeps money from being a God in you. Few people can give without feeling it. So I don't think most of us or any of us would necessarily be what this group was that were giving these large sums of money and just going on as though nothing happened. Most of us have consequences, inconveniences when we tithe, when we give offerings. You know, we, we have to live differently because we do. Maybe you don't drive as nice of a car because you're a tither. Maybe you don't go on such an exotic vacation. There's nothing wrong with those things, but maybe you have tapered things a little because you've chosen to be inconvenienced by your heart for the kingdom. I think that's what God notices. Whatever inconveniences giving does to you, take note of it and let it bother you. Let it bother the love of money right out of you. (laughs) So there's three areas I want to just quickly touch on in this whole area of giving that you should be big on. Number one area you should be big on giving is give to your family. This is being a provider. First Timothy 5a says, if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. And obviously this means giving the best to provide for your family and your kids and all that sort of thing. But sometimes I think it's more of a giving that's you're giving the potential not to make money. I mean, there's all of us have the potential to make money if we do more, run at it harder. But sometimes not running at it is the gift because we're choosing to be with our family. Maybe you don't go on all those business trips or maybe you don't let all your energy go towards work in hopes of every promotion that you're the one considered. Maybe you save some of the focus you have and some of the energy you have. I mean, you have to give it to work. But you save just a little of it so that you have it for your kids and your spouse and your extended family and your church family, right? You know, it's all that kind of thing where you can get invested with other people. Provide for your family, which is certainly money, but it's also you. Number two area of giving that's very important, I think, in God's economy is give to your future. What do I mean? Save some money. (laughs) I mean... As much as you can for your retirement, a little saved money grows a lot over time. The old ancient Proverbs in the, in the Hebrew mind was in Proverbs 13, 11, He who gathers money little by little makes it grow. Give to your future. Don't spend all you get. And the money will, you, you save will scream at you. It'll scream at you to trust it instead of God. It'll scream at you to keep up with the Joneses. Tell it to be quiet. Jesus ran into this demon-possessed guy in Mark 1 who's blathering on and on. And Jesus just said simply, be quiet. (laughs) Do that to your savings, to your investments. Just tell it, I'm not going to trust you. Be quiet. Or I'm not going to spend you on the latest iPhone. 
And then lastly, giving. Remember the temple. Give to the kingdom of God, to the work of God, like the widow in today's gospel. This church, sanctuary, I mean, celebration, I make pastor sanctuary. <laughs> celebration is amazingly powerful in this area, consistent in this area. So there's no berating here. We are so grateful for the faithfulness of this community. My point here is that it matters. In a couple of weeks, as Becky suggested, week uh, Advent starts. It's the Christian New Year uh, where the liturgical calendar kicks in. So happy New Year. Um, again, this year we'll jump into our legacy campaign where we're going to try to remember that we're not the last ones that are going to be coming this way. And we want the voice of God to be heard through Celebration Church 50 years from now, 100 years from now. So we sacrifice a little bit extra this time of year. We want to continue the ministries and the outreaches and the, the missions we do without redirecting money to keep our campus looking nice or our campus in Fox Valley looking nice. You may not have thought about this, but, but really a campus is an important way to secure the voice of, of the gospel that's brought through our lives and to people who attend here. Um, buildings are so physical, so immediately you think, well, how in the world is that going to affect the kingdom of God? I think it does because most people don't get to know Pastor Mark or the staff in, in a way that, you know, um, they can really discern what's really happening here. And, and they don't, they're always scanning for evidence of, is this place valid? That's why we fight to have great services. That's why we work hard for great ministries to the whole family, for outreaches and missions and a clean and updated physical campus. Those things scream, this ministry is legit. What's being said here is legitimate and you're safe here. See, it matters for God's kingdom. We have some important initiatives that we want to do on the building that your gifts will enable from this year here in Green Bay and those in the Fox Valley campus uh, your legacy, yes, will be going to important updates in your facility. Um, one little side note, we do have some great financial news that's happening. We're so very close to a watershed moment for this community. Our strength over the past three years financially has improved dramatically, as crazy as that sounds with all this happened. And most of you have heard Pastor Mark talk about how we're being, we're being, we're being pursued by banks for a more conventional loan on this building. Some of you get the import of that because you are literate in financial matters. For those of you who don't pay attention to such things, let me simply say, shazam. <laughs> this, this is a game changing moment for us. You know how life has a few of those. One of my favorite, some of my favorite ones were going to college, <laughs> leaving home. I love my family, but, but I love going to college. Right? I loved getting married. I loved having babies. Those were amazing. I love getting our first house. Those were game-changing moments. This moment in Celebration's history, history is one of those kinds of moments. So keep your ears peeled for what's going to happen. Now, here's what I, I would love for you to take away from today. One, God provides. Two, 
Money messes with our souls in good and bad ways. And three, the secret to protecting yourself from the bad ways is learn to give. Give to your family. Give to your future. Give to, your, to God's kingdom. And specifically for legacy, we're asking everyone to do something. And I would urge you to give something that inconveniences you. Something that makes the rest of 2021 just a little harder. Where you have to readjust because you gave. Why? Well, it seems Jesus loves it and takes note when we give pennies like that. So, and it's also the quickest path to really enjoying your money instead of money ruling over you. Amen.